Welcome to Golf and the Good Life, your guide to golf travel across the pond. I'm DJ Jones, joined as always by my good friend and colleague, Connor Evers. Connor, we have officially wrapped the 2023 golf travel season. Our last group for the year actually returned a day or two ago. And, you know, we would be remiss to not start things off today with a tip of the cap to everyone who traveled with H&B this year. It was another unforgettable golf travel season, to say the least. Definitely was, DJ, and can't thank everyone enough for their time. Group started in, in April, and, and we are officially done for the season. So crazy how fast it went, but they, they always usually do um, each year, which is which is great. But I'm looking forward to next year in 2024 and all the good things that will happen at that time. But right now we're going to have a little R&R and recharge, and we'll be ready for, for the next year for 2024 for sure. There's, there's really no rest for the weary uh, when it comes to this because, I mean, as Jay-Z says, it's on to the next one. But when it comes to planning, in many ways, it's it's really on to the next next one because things are already in full swing for 2025. So if you are planning to play the old course at St. Andrews or any of the other marquee uh, courses across the pond, now is the time to get moving on it. But first up, Today's episode is going to focus on 10 golf travel mistakes that you should avoid during your next trip. And this is a little bit of a spinoff from our last episode where we talked about flight tips because, you know, Connor and I, you know, we got talking about, you know, some of the mistakes that you make when choosing a flight and that got us thinking about other mistakes that are tied to other things throughout the trip that, uh, that should also be uh, avoided. We've actually covered these in depth on a guide on our website. We'll link to that in the show notes, but we're going to run through 10 of these today. Connor, why don't you lead us off with the first one? Absolutely, DJ. First one is planning last minute, and that can be very much of a relative term compared to where you are going and where you're playing across the pond. So for the marquee courses, we've talked about the old course, Muirfield, Royal County Down, Royal Port Rush. Sometimes a year is not enough um, in advance of when you're planning on going. Again, a lot of these courses, when they open up for bookings for the following year, they sometimes sell out immediately or within a few days or, or weeks. So, you know, it again, last minute is a very relative term compared to those other locations. If you're not looking to go to some of those locations that have the marquee courses where you have to book these things, you know, sometimes 15, 16, 17 months out, um, depending on, you know, when you're going the following year, um, there's other places if you are more of a last minute traveler. So in the Highlands with Royal Dornick, Aberdeen with Cruden Bay, the West Coast of Scotland has a plethora of courses. If you are looking to go there in 2024, a lot of those locations still have availability. The one kind of asterisk there is Royal Troon with the Open um, next year in 2024 as a lot of their tee times are, are sold out. Um, other areas that still have good availability is um, England's Gulf Coast, as well as the, the London suburban area, which is great. And in other areas as well in, in Ireland would be the Dublin metropolitan area, as well as Northwest Ireland that we've hit on past before. So again, Last minute planning, it is a relative term compared to where you're going, but all is not lost compared to where you're going um, across the pond. Yeah, it's remarkable when, say, you're speaking with one of our members who's traveled with us, you know, maybe years ago, let's say prior to COVID, and now they're ready to get back to it. And 
they, you know, roll up to us and say February, ready to plan their trip. And the surprise of, oh my gosh, like, what do you mean? All of the courses I want to play are essentially booked. And, but that's just what has happened over the last two or three years. That window for booking has moved so much earlier. So don't leave it to the last minute. Uh, keep yourself clear of that disappointment. But top of my list is to avoid appointing everyone captain. What we mean by that is, you know, the old phrase, too many cooks in the kitchen. Well, it absolutely applies here. And it's certainly understandable to try and arrive at some consensus among the group. But oftentimes, consensus can be, you know, the, an, an evil when it comes to trying to get a trip off the ground. If you try to please everyone, chances are you're going to end up pleasing no one. And so the most important thing you can do is nominate one person as your, what we call captain. That person is essentially in charge of handling the logistics and the reservations and then making sure everyone is on the same page. And that will help eliminate some of the back and forth that happens trying to please everyone. The ideal candidate is, you know, someone who is a detailed, natural leader, but most importantly, is not afraid to set their friends straight when needed and just say, hey, look, this is what we're doing. We don't like it. Well, someone else will, will go on the trip in some cases. But if you nominate that one person, you'll help eliminate so many of the communication things that happen when it comes to the planning process. Yep. Communication is key in this and having that main point person is is great. And you need that person just to, again, keep everything organized and, and clean and clear um, so everyone can have a great trip. And that next point would be just playing too much golf. We have talked about it before. And if you are thinking of playing golf every single day or say 36 holes every day, we, we have those requests all the time. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, When's the last time I have walked 18 holes, not just every day or even 36 holes every day? It is hard and um, doesn't matter your age. I'll be honest with you. It, it is very hard. It is hard in the body. And the biggest difference I like to also say is the turf across the pond. I mean, a lot of these courses are links courses and the ground is, is tough. It is hard. It's coarse. So it's not as comfortable of a walk compared to a lot of the courses we have here stateside. So Stop and smell the roses. We've talked about it before, you know, really, really kind of have that itinerary where you have a good balance between golf. Obviously, you're going for the golf, but have that good balance of being able to hang out with your group, go to the pubs, go to the breweries, go to the distilleries, do some walking tours. We don't want to just come back and, you know, have this list of great golf courses you played. We all want to play them and have that list of, you know, all the places we played, but you also want to see and, and you know, experience the, the country and, and experience it with some locals, et cetera. So don't play as much golf as you humanly possibly can and have that itinerary where you're always go, 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 go. You want this to be vacation, not work. I've said that multiple times. Can't reiterate it enough. And also mention on a lot of our post uh, expedition surveys, when they come back and say, what would you have changed? Almost all the time, they answer that question with either I packed too much, which we'll get into, or we kind of had too much golf or you know wanted a day off in the middle or what have you, would have rather done that. And almost all the time, that question's answered that way. So Playing too much golf would be one of those mistakes, DJ. Well, you, you really just kind of hit the nail on the head in the very beginning. I mean, it, it's easy in the planning process to look at this through rose-colored glasses and think, oh, well, 
we're gonna we're there for six days, so we're gonna play six rounds of golf. Maybe we'll squeeze in thirty six holes. But look, I haven't played thirty six holes since college, and I have no desire to to start back with that anytime soon. So it's really just about being realistic with yourself and you know setting yourself up for success because you don't want to be on that last day of the trip just completely broken down and worn out and needing a massage and having missed out on everything off the golf course, like you said. So speaking of off the golf course, my next one is to avoid winging it when it comes to dinners. Look, the last thing anyone wants to do after a long day on the golf course is to stand around asking each other, well, what do you feel like for dinner? I don't know. What do you feel like for dinner? Like nobody wants to do that. Have at least a semblance of a plan in place. Make a few restaurant reservations so that you've you've at least eliminated that stress for a handful of nights. You've got to know that enough, that most of the restaurants overseas are considerably smaller than they are over here, especially if you're going to be a, if you're a group of say eight or more, you're not going to be able to just walk up to these places. Any place that's worth their salt is going to require booking in advance. So take that step. Put a couple reservations on the books and you at least eliminated it for a couple nights and then, you know, leave yourself some leeway for a couple other nights where maybe you roll to a pub or you have some fish and chips or whatever. But if you're going to be just wandering the streets looking for a place to eat after a round of golf, eight people, eight o'clock in St. Andrews, good luck to you. So get with the concierge if you're traveling with us or do your research and put a couple things on the books and it will make some much smoother and more enjoyable evenings when all is said and done. Great advice, TJ. And I, it goes really back to communication. And I, I like to say, you know, for groups before you depart, you know, communicate with everyone and see what everyone wants to do. Um, and if you're more flexible, you know, maybe do something where, you know, have have a dinner on that first night, um, you know, with the whole group. The last night, do a nice dinner as well, and maybe one in between. And if you're okay with it, you know, you can sometimes do pub food in between where it's a little bit more flexible if you're coming off the golf course at night and, you know, don't want, you know, wanting a sit down meal or anything like that. But it, it, you really have to communicate with the group what everyone wants and needs are. And again, having that great group captain um, is essential for dinners and multitude of other options when, when it, you know, setting up a trip like this. Um, my next point is skipping the caddies. This is a mistake in our point because um, the, the experience with having caddies is amazing. Yes, it's an additional cost. And, you know, we, we kind of recommend to our groups, you know, 100 pounds or euros per person per round of golf. So, you know, if, if you're playing six to eight rounds of golf, yeah, it, it can add up, um, you know, with tip and everything, it, it could be sometimes between 700, a thousand, you know, extra dollars on, on your trip. Um, but just something you may, we need to, to budget for and consider, but I would say for groups that definitely have those, those caddies, you know, it's an additional person to, to help you, you know, throughout your round stories that dj and i have had we've had a past podcast specifically on caddies and the experiences we both had and some of our groups have had um it is amazing and you know they're not just there to help you through your golf game to save a couple shots find your golf balls it's really just about the stories and the experiences and um they are just very funny individuals and have have just great great stories so um some of my favorite memories are just like i said just playing the golf courses but 
having those experiences with the caddies and learning more about them and their families. And a lot of times they've been caddying there for multiple years. And a lot of times they're also members of the club. So they have that, you know, that, that also local knowledge of the course and where to hit it and where not to, and the breaks of the greens and such. So um, it's great. But like I said, it's an additional cost, but something you should consider. And, and a lot of our groups that decide to have them for their whole you know rounds of golf throughout Scotland and Ireland or England or wherever they're at, um, definitely do not regret the decision once they're back home. Yeah, we had an entire episode talking about price. And one of the things that we touched on in that episode was the difference between price and value. And yes, there is the cost involved, but the value that these experiences with the caddies brings to your experience is worth every penny and then some. And when you come back or years down the line, you are not going to remember what you paid the caddy for for his for his or her time. You're going to 1000% remember the story of the caddy telling you to go take your putter to the local shop and get a new grip because you can't putt. You know, all of those things, they add up so much over time. So don't shortchange yourself. Spend the time with the caddies. If you're playing an arrival day round, you know, at a second course, as we call it somewhere, okay, maybe maybe that's the round that you decide to, to take a push cart or a trolley, I should say, and, um, you know, and just enjoy the walk by yourself. But yeah, don't don't miss it is really what it comes down to. And my next one goes back to the very last episode, and that is avoid choosing the wrong flight. And of course, this is a little bit of a coin toss. It's, a lot of it is out of your control, but it's essentially it comes down to making some smart choices when it comes to the selection of your flight. All that matters is that you and your luggage and your golf clubs arrive on day one as scheduled. If it means choosing an itinerary that you otherwise wouldn't, because maybe it's not your preferred carrier or you don't have status with that carrier, go with the one that's going to increase the odds. The little bit of savings from the one flight or your extra air miles or whatever, it's going to mean nothing if it ends up costing you your first round of golf. So choose wisely when it comes to your flight. And again, we covered all of the tips on how to do so and some ways to make sure that you and your bags arrive on time in the very last episode. Great advice, TJ. And as you said, even if you don't have status or anything or not your preferred airline, being there on time when the rest of your group members is, is imperative to get your trip off to a good start. And my next mistake on the list would be too many hotel changes. And a lot of the great clubs and courses across the pond in the UK and Ireland, they are spread across every corner of both countries and in different regions. And there's a reason why we recommend our groups just going to one or two regions. And the reason why is to just not have too many hotel jumps and also to have limited drive times as well. So for example, if you're thinking about going to Ireland and you're looking at all the top rankings and you want to play Royal Port Rush, Royal County Down, Port Marnock, La Hinch, Valley Bunyan, and Old Head. That is a crazy trip, and that is a lot of driving, and you're going to be in multiple hotels. And again, it, it is relative. We have a whole podcast breakdown of Southwest Ireland, and a lot of times you have to change, you know, two and three times from that area. And if you're going to England's Gulf Coast, you know, you're only in usually one hotel for the whole trip. So it is a little bit relative compared to where you're going, but, you know, it's just inevitable sometimes of, of needing that. Um, but really just focus on a couple regions, one or two, if you're maybe in the Fife area in Edinburgh, then it's two hotel jumps, which is really nice. 
and um, you know those other regions stick them for another trip because DJ said in a couple podcasts ago Lynx golf is addicting and you may think oh this is the only trip we're going to go over and we need to go all over and play just not the case go to one or two regions and keep the rest for another trip 100% I mean between this one and the playing too much golf we really could have just condensed it to one mistake and that's doing too much you know you it's it's like you said it's easy to think oh I'm going to, I'm here 10 days. I got to see and do it all. Well, again, good luck to you because there's there it's across every corner of the country, like you said. And unless you plan on just basically living in your suitcase and in whatever your vehicle is, you're going to miss, you know, so much in between. So avoid doing too much and, and you'll come out ahead in the end. My next one is to avoid inviting that guy. <laughs> and look, we all know that guy. You know, he's, he's the guy that somehow squeezes into your foursome all the time. You don't really know how he gets there, but you don't particularly enjoy playing golf with him. And when he shows up to the club, you know, it kind of drains a little bit of the life out of the grill room. Well, make no mistake, he'll do the same to your trip. I mean, imagine traveling with that guy. And then plus, if you're trying to recruit other people to go on the trip, you're you're going to have a whole lot better chance of getting others involved if he's not around than you will the other way. And this, some of this is a little harsh, but we've all been there when it comes to planning one of these trips. And so for the sake of everyone involved, just make sure their invitation is kind of lost in the mail. If you are trying to fill a trip, maybe you're a person or two short and you're trying to get a couple more spots, listen, it is better to scale back how many people are going than to reach out to someone who may not be a good fit for the overall group. And as a result, kind of drains some of the camaraderie and the experience out of it for everyone else who's involved. Our next point is packing poorly. And we have a whole podcast again on packing and the pros and cons and what to pack and what and what have you. But the the biggest mistake is to be reliant on checked luggage. And a lot of times, you know, stuff happens and sometimes your luggage can be lost. And if you pack everything, all of your items in a check bag and that does not show up, you could be in a world of hurt for that first couple of days, if you will, uh, if you don't have any other thing. So have obviously, you know, if you're going for a week, you're going to need to check, check luggage. So put all of your belongings that you're going to bring on this trip put them all out and bring a carry-on as well as a checked bag. Put some of your items in both where you're going to have enough clothes on that check and that, and that carry-on that'll get you for a few days or what have you on the golf course, touring at night, et cetera. So just be a defensive packer. Like we like to say, prepare yourself for the worst, if you will, uh, of when it comes to this. So, and that carry-on, Know, pack a day or two of clothes, like I said, a sleeve of golf balls, an extra golf glove, um, a pair of golf shoes, pair of walking shoes, stuff like that. So you're prepared just in case that happens. So just be a very defensive packer. Um, we've talked about it before too, but Apple AirTags are uh, great. I own a few of those. So just put them in your in, in your check bag and your golf clubs and uh, your carry-on, what have you, whatever you feel comfortable with, just so you can see exactly where your bags are at and located. I talked a story about it on the packing one, but last, um, actually, yeah, last year, last fall, we had a gent, um, uh, one of the airlines misplaced his luggage in London Heathrow, and the airline said, we have no clue where it's at. We think it's still in the States. 
his Apple AirTag, located it at a warehouse outside of London Heathrow, and was able to show them the location. And due to having the AirTag, you know, he got his luggage back a little bit quicker than what probably he would have. So definitely have an Apple AirTag um, for your travels across the pond, but uh, just be as defensive you can and pack for the worst and you'll be successful. Yeah, just be prepared. That's really what it comes down to. By having some of your golf stuff in the bag, you're at least you know somewhat prepared if you've got to go play with some rentals. You know The pair of shoes that you're wearing, if they're comfortable in tennis shoes or whatever, they can be worn as golf shoes if necessary. So all of that adds up to just... You know, if the worst happens, it's not the end of the world. You'll be able to get by for at least a couple of days. So my last mistake is ignoring expert advice. And, you know, if you have turned to a golf travel company or maybe you've asked a well-traveled friend uh, who's been to your destination before or or maybe you even, you know, talk to your PGA professional, the advice that, that you're provided is only valuable if you actually put it to use. So pay special attention to whatever, you know, advice or intel you're being given, because in the end, it, it could end up making all the difference with your trip. The fact is, we've been there, we've done that, we've made all the mistakes. There's really no reason for you to repeat them. So it's a great idea to reach out for that advice. And we certainly understand making the trip your own. But then once you receive that advice, put it to use because it's in the end, it could save you a lot of stress. But Connor, I think we have checked all 10 of the mistakes to avoid. Any final thoughts to add before we wrap it up here? Yeah. Oh, DJ, this has been great. And I think a lot of people I'm sure have learned a lot and, and thinks things they just have not thought of before. But there's a couple, you know, minor things. Again, golf, make sure you're not playing as much seemingly possible. You can put it on paper. It looks pretty. Uh, playing all these bucket list, bucket list courses, but stop and smell the roses. Don't play as much golf. Have an off day in there. Enjoy the sights and scenes that that where you're there. Um, packing again. Be a defensive packer. Set up for the worst case scenario. Make sure you have a couple days worth of clothing in that carry on that'll get you by, uh, just in case for the worst. And as DJ kind of said there, read your materials. Um, you know, a lot of our groups when they when they go across the pond, um, especially with us at Haversham and Baker. They have everything laid out in their field manuals and final marching orders. And there's a lot of wealth of knowledge within there. And just read through it. You know, if you are a group and a group captain, you know, make sure everyone's reading all that information because a lot of those questions you may have are within those materials. And the, kind of the last thing there too, just another kind of tidbit, I, I would say, maybe in a, a, a 10A or 10V, I should say, DJ, but um, currency there. So, you know, Make sure when you arrive in Ireland, you guys are going to be super excited or, or wherever you're going across the pond and say, if you are playing arrival day golf, and if you do have a caddy for that first course, make sure you have local currency. So for example, if, if you arrive in Dublin or are playing Castle Rock on a, on arrival day, just for example, make sure you go to that ATM before departing Dublin and get currency because a lot of these courses don't have ATMs. So you don't want to have that mistake where you get done with your round of golf and, uh, oh my gosh, I don't have local currency. So again, just a, a 10B there is one of the mistakes that I would add, uh, add in there, DJ. But those are kind of my final thoughts. Um, that was a great episode. Yeah, that's all great stuff across the board. As I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, this is all pulled from a guide that's up on our website. We will be sure to link to that in the show notes. But otherwise, if you have any questions, DM us on social media or shoot us an email, golf at haversham.com. But thank you as always for tuning in. We will be back again soon with another episode. 
But until then, we wish you plenty of golf at its finest and life at its best.